Welcome to The Hoodoo Factory, a game show and discussion podcast about the 90s NBC sitcom classic, News Radio. We will be drafting News Radio episodes into units with a common theme. In part A of the podcast, we will host a game show based on our drafted episodes. The contestants will compete for ABSA points in hopes of being declared the ABSA winner. In part B of the podcast, we will discuss the episode in greater detail. We are three dorks who prefer the term news radiologists who decided to use Twitter and podcasting for good instead of pure evil. Happy New Year, fellow WNYXicans. I'm Thad, and I'm today's host. I'm here with Tom. Hello. And Lauren. Hello. And this episode, Shrink, is the second of our hooked unit of episodes. So to get us started, Lauren is going to kick it off with our Agent Zero pew pew plot synopsis. Thank you very much. Shrink was season two, episode five. It originally aired on November 7th, 1995, which was a Tuesday. The staff of WNYX are stressed out and agitated. Mr. James wants to address the situation by bringing in a psychiatrist named Dr. Frank. Dave thinks everyone will be opposed to the idea, but it turns out everyone is on board. Everyone except Dave, that is. Bill has erected a cubicle around his desk, and Matthew in particular is annoyed by it. Dr. Frank and Dave both take a shot at getting Bill to remove his cubicle, culminating in a revealing situation for Bill. (laughs) I see what you did there. (laughs) And I like it. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Lauren. Uh, We've set up a couple categories and games in which I, as host, will listen to the answers and arguments of the contestants and award the most arbitrary of ABSA points to them, as I see fit. Uh, At the end of Part A, I will award one extremely fortunate and non-addicted contestant this episode's ABSA (laughs) award for excellence in this podcast. So let's get started with round one, ABSA Fever. ABSA Fever. So I believe uh, Lauren is going to go first today. All right, uh, starting with our first category in round one, ABSA Fever. What scene would you show to a new person? I'm going to go with the cold open, with everyone snapping at each other. Um, Everyone's in such a foul mood, but each in a sort of different way. So, like, you know, Joe's just had enough of Matthew. Matthew's short-tempered because he doesn't feel well. Bill is being a passive-aggressive ass, but slightly (laughs) more than usual. Um, Catherine straight up tells her boss to go to hell. Um, So I think everyone's just doing a great job of displaying different types of bad moods, but every type of bad mood is very relatable. Mm, Very true. Definitely relatable, especially... uh... Uh, it seems like it's a Monday morning, if I remember right. So <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think we all go with that. <laughs> okay, uh, Tom, what is a scene that you would show a new person? Uh, I would show them uh, Dave and Jimmy in Dave's office where uh, Dave walks in, Jimmy's at his desk and is on the phone with somebody yelling at him. Um, and then they start talking about the mood in the place and about bringing yep. in Dr. Frank and so forth, um, culminating with the... Uh, <laughs> the line from the herbal tea box uh which is great um yeah that whole just it's always great when you get um dave and jimmy together uh they play off each other so well 
Um, so yeah, that scene had a lot in it. All right, good. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Every time we get a scene with just the two of them, man, like it always works. Like very hard to think of one that does not work with the two of them. Um, all right, Lauren, what is the second scene you would choose to show a new person? Okay, so I'm also going to go with the scene in Dave's office, but I'm going with the scene that starts with Jimmy asleep on Dave's couch, supposedly in a deep meditative state, and then it goes into Dave accidentally engaging in therapy, (laughs) and uh, ends up with Dr. Frank talking about his sexual addiction, which may or may not be the same as getting a lot. Um, (laughs) I just really love the maniacal state that Dave is in in that scene, and the way you can sort Mm. of physically see him working himself through through whatever he's dealing with entirely accidentally. Like that's the part yeah. that makes it is that it's, it's purely accidental. So that's a great scene. All right. Excellent. Yeah. I think definitely a strong Dave episode in that scene right there. Getting the, getting him to play off of John Ritter, mm-hmm. you know, I think was definitely a treat. Like that was definitely good. Oh yeah. Uh, that was my number two. So it was definitely a good scene. There we go. We have consensus. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, Tom. Well, what is the second scene that you would show to a new person? Uh, the scene where they're all at the conference table when Dave's trying to um, get everybody to talk about their issues, and just everybody looks and and is just so angry. <laughs> and, okay. Like Catherine in particular is just looking away from Dave, like yeah. to- totally facing the camera and just scowling really good. Um, Joe has just gives gives um, Dave a look that is amazing. <laughs> to, you know, Beth's really snarky. Sure. It's just like that whole bit is really funny and very relatable um, because we've all been in situations where everybody's unhappy and it just that happens. Um, mm, but then, but then everybody immediately flipping the switch as soon as he brings up Frank coming in. Um, mm. Everybody, which is kind of to me unrelatable because I can't see that like bringing in a therapist is going to lighten everybody's mood that much. But it it works within right. the context because everybody buys into it so much. So yeah, really like that scene. Okay, good, and I like the way it, it sets up the whole uh, Lisa saying that she has oh, it's my old professor. Like so you right. know, there's a connection. It's the first yeah. hint that you get that uh, that they know each other from the past. So that was a good one. Yep. All right, excellent. Definitely excellent choices. Um, I am going to give this round to Lauren, but she just edged it out. I, I do love the conference table scene, uh, but I think there's a couple more jokes in the ones that, that Lauren picked right there. Yep. All right. So, uh, Tom, we are going to start with you in our next category, our second category. What quote is most usable or you would want to use in real life? I, I'm picking this one because I actually have used it before, um, but not in the sense that it was used. It was more due to uh, physiological needs, uh, but okay. he has got to start eating red meat, Thanks. which I've said about coworkers who are constantly chilly and, and have to have the heater on full blast in her office. Like, <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Definitely, Elaine. I I had that on my list, and uh, and the fact that you've already used it gives you a, a pretty big leg up, right? Here. <laughs> <laughs> so excellent choice, excellent line. Continue to do good work. <laughs> uh, all right, Lauren. What is a quote that you find usable or would want to use in real life? Um, I'm gonna go with one that was used repeatedly in this episode. Stay healthy. We need you. Okay. Because. I think it's very versatile. I think you can use it in a sincere way. Like, if 
if you really care about someone, you're concerned about them, you mm -hmm. want them to be healthy, you can bust out this line or you can use it in an incredibly sarcastic way. Um, <laughs> like you just witnessed someone ordering a Baconator with extra cheese and a Diet Coke. Bust out this line. Stay healthy. We need you. <laughs> That's what it was just being. <laughs> like you're not rock about the versatility, but damn. And, and there's the third option is if you have a sexual obsession with them, you can... You can say the same line. <laughs> Sometimes we really need you. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Tom has got a little bit of a lead here because he's not as creepy. <laughs> but uh, but no, that's yeah. Obviously, that's a good line that use it really effectively through the episode. Um, and I do th I do agree. It's something very usable and it is very versatile. I just <laughs> you know still have some holiday spirit, I guess. <laughs> oh. All right, Tom. What is the second quote that you find to be usable, or you'd want to use in real life? Uh, this this helps when anybody knocks on your door, especially like I don't know if you guys get solicitations, but we do here. And uh, this line: "I wish I could invite you in, but we're not accepting visitors at this time." Okay. <laughs> Bill tells Matthew. <laughs> yeah, that's a definitely a good scene with with Bill and Matthew right there. Um, <laughs> you know, there's no good reason that Bill is stonewalling him. Like, there's just nothing. Like, <laughs> simply just to terrorize Matthew. That's <laughs> classic Bill. All right, good choice. Definitely usable. Um, is that is that something that you have said to solicitors, or it's just on the on the card next to the door? So you remember? I no, <laughs> I have not said it to solicitors. I have said it to my brother before. <laughs> He's like, hey, what are you guys doing? I said, we are not accepting visitors at this time. Even better. Yeah. That's an extra, that's an extra point right there. That's an extra tally mark. All right, Lauren. What is the second quote that you find to be most usable or you'd want to use in real life? Um, I like Catherine's line, what's good about it? <laughs> um, I don't know in if I would tone? put quite as much mm, okay. venom in it as she would, um, but mostly it's that um, you get a lot of opportunities. People say morning a lot without saying good morning. So whenever someone says morning, I just really want to say what's good about it because almost yes. always they walk right into Dave's line of, I didn't say good morning. And then depending on the mood I'm in or, or my relationship with that person, I might tell them to go to hell. So... <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Mostly it's just to see how well it works. Like, that is the natural response. <laughs> There's nothing like starting off your day with some contention. <laughs> you know, the thing is, like, I have been tempted to say that line several times. You, know, you walk in, you know, and you say morning, and, you know, someone's like, oh, good morning. And I'm just like, is it? <laughs> is it a good morning? Like, I kind of want to challenge them. I do think of that skit. <laughs> that is an excellent selection. And an appropriate, an appropriate scenario in which to use it, which is what makes most of us happy. I have to score this round as a tie. Lauren uh, made up a lot of ground with that last one. So <laughs> we're going to keep this category a tie. And I'm very excited to know that these are usable, have been used, and probably will be used. Excellent. All right. We're going to move on to the third category now and start with Tom. Tom, what gag or bit? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, we're going to start with Lauren on this one. Uh, third category. 
Uh, Lauren, what gagger bit had the biggest impact on the episode for you? Um, oh, it's okay. I really had a hard time choosing between mm. a couple on this one. I'm going to go with all the cubicle gags. Okay. Um, I like Strong. mostly I like the way you just hear Bill's voice when he's in there. You don't see him yeah. and he acts like he's so far away. He doesn't know who's on the other side of that. Is that wall. you, David? Yeah. <laughs> Who is it? It's Matt, Matthew, Matthew Brock, Bill. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. And I mean, the stairs in the elevator bit is funny, too. Um, yes. And the way, like, you know, Joe pops up after he says he's not accepting visitors. But mostly it's just the voice work and the way he's he's just it's he's trying to create this illusion that he is just untouchable when he's yes. in there. And yep. it really works. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I didn't really like I didn't really realize it. I didn't really think about it. But you're right. Like creating that impression that he's miles away just by the way that he's talking. <laughs> that's hilarious. That's good stuff. Okay, Tom, what gagger bit had the biggest impact on the episode for you? Outside of the cubicle, uh, I thought mm-hmm. it was at towards the end, the um, good luck with, you know, and then <laughs> take care of yourself. We need you. Those things in conjunction were used a bunch, and they were really funny because that seems like the very, you know, good luck with, well, you know, we can't mention it out here. It's a secret between us, you know. It's, yeah. <laughs> man that is a good one uh i have lauren with a slight edge but that is a tough one because i do like that quote i do like that scene very much (laughs) i'm saying goodbye to everybody and and now he just kind of repeats that catchphrase (laughs) uh okay moving on to the next category and this time tom is the one who goes first uh, okay. Tom, what did you think was the coolest detail of the episode or you found to have a nice, adequate touch? Um, I'm going to say there's a couple instances of this, but I, I want to pick out one in particular. Um, Stephen Root's uh, physical acting. Um, he, okay. he uses he uses gestures uh, probably, I, to me, as, as well or better than anybody else on the show. Um, but... In particular, when he wakes up on the couch, yep. you know, and he, he's flipped over, and, and Frank says, "Okay, Jimmy, wake up." When he wakes up, he does like the big stretch, and his feet do the, yes. they, they yeah, do they like they shake, or like little little flippers, yeah. and it reminds me of like when my cat has like a dream, and then they wake <laughs> up from it. It's exactly the same same thing that happens. Uh, so I love that detail. I thought that was great um, by Steve Root. All right. I actually, I had that on my list as well. That's a great call, the great catch. And his overall physical acting is very incredible. Like, yeah, it's just, it's, it's master level work. And it's on this sitcom that, you know, not enough people watch. And this yep. is the wrong podcast to complain <laughs> about that too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is not the place. <laughs> I will hold my soapbox till later. <laughs> um, all right. Excellent answer, Tom. Lauren, what did you find to be the coolest detail of the episode to be a, a nice, adequate touch? I mean, it's hard to follow anything to do with Stephen Root's acting, but I'll try. That's true. Um, Beth actually used the pocket watch to tell time. Ooh. So she's wearing the pocket watch necklace again, 
And when Dave asks how long Lisa and Dr. Frank have been in his office, she looks at her pocket watch necklace and she taps it with her pencil and she goes, oh, Lisa's actually 10 minutes over her time. And since we've been noticing the pocket watch necklace so much, it was so satisfying to see that. (laughs) Like she's actually using it. Nice. Good catch. Yeah, that is a great catch. I did not catch onto that, but yeah, we have really, like that pocket watch is something I never picked up on, you know, in all my previous rewatches. And so having her use it, oof. I actually have a necklace that has a small clock in it and the battery has been dead for years. And this is like inspiring me to go get that battery changed just so that I could do stuff like that. Be like, oh yeah, it's uh, 10 past three. You have to do it during the podcast though. That's the thing. <laughs> like, you actually have to wear it during the podcast and actually hold it up for us <laughs> whenever we have a question of time. I'm going to have to do it. <laughs> I, have to. I think that's it. I'm going to give that one to Tom. Uh, that is something I had on my list with a physical comedy. If he had just the toes, I might have gone with Lauren. But the overall physical comedy of the entire episode, that is definitely hard to beat. So, uh, so Tom is going to get that category and take that round. And we are going to move on to our next category, starting with Lauren. What was your best episode, Enigma? Okay. I want to know, does anyone else in the office get a session with dr frank like what about beardy what about milos what about carl in accounting what about those goofballs in ad sales like mr james brings in a therapist just for these seven staff members which includes the news director a reporter a producer two broadcasters a secretary and an electrician seems like a random bunch what about everybody else wow that (laughs) is a great question because I never once thought about everybody else who worked in the office. And it was a busy day in the office. I don't know if you know, noticed how many a lot of extras, yeah, there were a lot extras, of extras were buzzing around. It's not yeah. like nobody else was there. But yeah. we didn't we didn't see everybody in with him either. Like we never saw Beth in with yeah. him. We never saw Catherine in with him. We we do see the aftermath of take care of yourself. We need you, but mm-hmm. yeah. But but it begs the question, does anyone else in the office get a session? Well, I think the thing is that Lisa Lisa is in there for over an hour. So if there's supposed to be hour-long sessions, he really only has time for the main staff. You know, that's essentially how the math is going to break down. (laughs) This is one of the few math problems I was able to solve (laughs) on my own. Just me and my fingers, we took care of this one. Um, (laughs) That is an excellent, excellent question. Uh, Something I did not think of. So kudos. (laughs) Uh, Tom, what is your best episode enigma? Okay. When Dr. Frank comes into the office, he has his um, trench coat on or overcoat, puts that on the coat rack, right? He's -hmm. not carrying a briefcase. He doesn't have any notes. He doesn't have anything to take notes with. Okay. He just goes, when Dave busts in on him and Lisa and and with Jimmy, no, no, nothing. He has nothing written down. So... Does is he like the type of therapist that does doesn't refer to case files because a he's not taking notes to be able to refer back to them, and b uh, either he's got like a really great memory because he doesn't need the notes before the sessions. So how does he know enough about these folks to really help them in in an hour long set, or is it just he listens and that's it? That's okay, it's kind of like. What kind of therapist? What kind of therapist is? Yeah. Okay. I think that's a good one. I think there's a. I think if you would ask the question more along the lines of like, is he a good therapist? 
I think I probably would have leaned your way because I think there's a lot of evidence that he is not a good therapist. That's uh, a little bit later. And that's his great point that he does not come in with any paperwork uh, that that would help him with this recurring client. You know, like basically they're clients and basically he comes in on a regular basis. So uh, I think that's a great question. I think it's a great catch for sure. But I'm going to give this round to Lauren uh, with the question I never thought to ask. Okay, two more categories left in round one. Two more, two more categories of the fever and keep it moving so uh tom you were up next in our keepsake bill i stole your cane keepsakes category what is a keepsake uh that you would take from the set to wear or display the cubicle mm. it's the most it's the most consequential um piece of yep. set that for that episode and it'd be fun you know you could find some ways to use it Yep. Yeah, I, you know, again, the cubicle is almost a, an obvious one, but it's almost too obvious. You know, like, I was like, I don't know if anybody really wants a cubicle. <laughs> but yeah, you find ways to use it. All right, Lauren, what is a keepsake that you would take from the set? I'm going to go with Beth's pocket watch necklace. I know we see it Excellent. in other episodes, but to Excellent. my knowledge, this is the only episode where we actually see her use it to tell time. So I'm going to say it's featured in this episode. So I want that as a keepsake. <laughs> that's strong strong choice and, and the battery seems to still work in her so points yes. for that <laughs> yes you're getting a little bit of you're getting a little bit of extra help with the fact that you have one and you're going to wear it for the podcast <laughs> <laughs> so that was an excellent selection um all right so two really good picks tom what is the second keepsake that you would take what is the second cane that you would steal uh bill's glasses I like those. Okay. The horn rim ones. He doesn't always have those, but the, those, we, we mentioned them on a previous episode, but the, those are good looking glasses. Okay. Yeah, I do. You know, it, it is one of those things where he does wear several different types of glasses throughout the series. So it is something to kind of keep an eye on. Interesting. Uh, Lauren, what is the second keepsake that you would take? I'm going to go with Matthew's hat from the first day. Um, it's like a, one. it's like a knit, beanie sort of cap hmm. cap but yeah, it's yeah. um pointed like a elf cap or a, a santa hat or something it's like cone shaped and it's kind of yeah. like flopped over on one side um, it's like what ebenezer scrooge wears to bed <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> cap. yeah it, has that kind of like it was like part of his sick it. day uniform and um as a person who has like a sick day uniform i have like my sick sweatshirt <laughs> that i put on like when i'm really feeling bad i get out this one sweatshirt i'm like okay maybe i need a sick hat <laughs> and that that seems to be the one <laughs> Oh man, that's <laughs> like the usability is definitely like having an edge towards you in this direction. That's Tom like, is making a really grossed uh, out face. Uh, uh, yeah, well, it, it, a sick hat makes makes me feel like you're gonna throw up in it. So. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, so here's here's gonna be the factor. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna give this round to Tom because you could use them together. Uh, I can see Tom wearing the glasses, but hiding behind the cubicle. Uh, but I cannot see Lauren with a pocket watch necklace and her little sick hat at the same time. Um, and if so, I would just be like, that woman is sick. <laughs> Tom, Tom gets the combo bonus, but man, these, these are some really good ones. <laughs> and some really good usage because i i don't object to to lauren having a sick day hat that looks like ebenezer scrooge's sleeping cap <laughs> like 
those are the pictures that our fans want and need. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So that round is going to go to Tom, and we are in our final category for round one, Absent Fever, which is who was your MVP? So, Lauren, who did you have as the MVP of the episode? Bill. Bill. And Tom, who was your MVP of the episode? Dave. Excellent. So, two different choices, two different contestants. Let's get it on. Lauren, you're up first. Please explain why Bill is the MVP of the episode. So, I think Bill stole the show in this episode. He got in on the action at the beginning of the episode of everyone being all annoyed. Um, and then he had all the, his cubicle business. And the amount mm-hmm. of acting he was doing with just his voice, I thought, was pretty incredible. Um, like, how do you get that much comedy out of just your voice. <laughs> um, then we get all his great cheese ball interactions with Dr. Frank. I mean, cheese ball to the max. And yeah. then we get the big reveal at the end of him in his undershorts with his feet up on the desk. Any other character would have been incredibly embarrassed. And he's just like, mm. how do you like me now? You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then he gets his cubicle wall back up. And so he kind of won in the end. <laughs> <laughs> For the rest of the day. I suppose that's true. <laughs> Okay, okay, yeah, that's a, a stronger case for Bill than I expected. Good stuff. Consistently hilarious throughout the episode, as we expect. <laughs> All right, so, Tom, you are asserting that Dave is the MVP of the episode. What makes Dave the MVP of the episode? Well, Dave goes on the classic hero's journey in this one. Um, he starts, like, with the, the call to adventure, like which, Campbell. which is just, just going into the office is the call to adventure, knowing mm. that he's facing these insurmountable odds of the, the just the staff being downtrodden and, and angry. Um, he goes in, he faces off against everybody, just giving him crap. Uh, it starts with Bill, Catherine, Beth, uh, Joe, uh, Matthew, everybody, even Jimmy, okay. giving him crap. Okay. Um, he's resistant to the idea of calling in Dr. Frank, but eventually goes with it. Then he's he's got the problem with Lisa and Frank having the relationship. Well, he then goes yeah. in, talks to Frank, gets out his personal demons, and then has to help Frank with his. So he, mm. instead of being the guy on the bottom... He winds up on the top uh, where he's even like confidently talking to Dr. Dr. Frank. I think we've used up too much of your time. He goes away. He's learned enough to like let Bill have his his way for this. He's going to he's going to let Bill have his little victory while Dave is going to maintain office detente and by the end. So I feel like it's a big win for for Dave. Okay. And that category is a big win for Tom as soon as he went into the hero's journey. And the worst part is that he's right. Tom is 100% right because Dave literally says, do we have to go in? Do we have to go back? So he tries to turn down the adventure. And then inside he's resistant to the doctor. Uh, and then, you know, he goes on to it. So, like, yes, first of all, I was very pleased by that comparison. And then you backed it up very adequately, in my opinion. There you go. And therefore, we have you winning the round, and we actually have a tie How about that? for round one going into round two. No Big one could have seen that by coming. <laughs> the back half, Tom uh, decided to shoot under par <laughs> and tie it up fast. <laughs> 
All right, so that completes our abs of fever round. And right now, while I tally up the score, even though I just tallied up the score, Lauren is going to give us the Freakzilla report straight from the message boards, all the best and worst reactions to this episode at the time that it aired. Lauren? The Hoodoo Factory is brought to you by Carducci's Gelato. Carducci's, for when you don't want to share. All right, so... I feel like a broken record a little bit, but this being an earlier episode, there were once again no posts from the time that this actually aired. However, there were a flurry of posts about this episode from the time that John Ritter passed away in September of 2003. Mm. Fans came to the message board to discuss this episode and John Ritter's performance in it. Mm-hmm. Um, as most people probably know, John Ritter was starring in the sitcom Eight Simple Rules at the time that he passed away. So fans on the message boards were sort of comparing and contrasting the way that that sitcom handled his passing compared to the way news radio handled the passing of Phil Hartman. Mostly they felt that news radio was better able to give Phil's character a worthy send off since he passed away between seasons, giving the writers time to, you know, regroup and think about what to do. Um, John passed away while they were filming the second season of Eight Simple Rules, and the writers had to come up with an explanation for his character's sudden absence very quickly. Mm. So probably didn't get to give it as much time as they would have liked. Yeah, it's a shame. Um, Our friend Tavy came to the message boards to say she'd like to think in our fictional universe, Bill and Dr. Frank are having a smoke together in their undershorts in a big cubicle in the sky. (laughs) That's a a nice mental image there. Um, In October of 2003, someone named Friend to All asked everyone to post their favorite Bill Bastic moment of the series, and the number of times people cited Bill putting up the cubicle around his desk was higher than any other moments noted, which I was kind of surprised. I guess it's like that old saying, everybody loves a cubicle. Um, The second most Bill Bastic moment everyone liked was Bill's piano shenanigans in public domain. Yeah. Also some great Bill stuff. Um, in 2002, someone named Lionors noted that they felt the show Just Shoot Me had ripped off the plot of this episode by bringing in a corporate therapist. The corporate ther- therapist on Just Shoot Me was brought in to address the staff's bickering. He was a character named Dr. Drake, and he was played by none other than Mr. Stephen Root. <laughs> Oh, okay, all right. Then there was lots of reminiscing about what a great episode The the Shrink was, and one person chimed in to say, rip off, schmip off, just give me more Steven Root. That is the correct answer. Gotta agree with that, yeah. Yeah. So that has been this episode's Freakzilla Report. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Thank you, Lauren, for the Freakzilla Report. Uh, So right now, going into the second and final round, we have a tie between Lauren and Tom. Um, Round two, as we call it, the Marty Party, is going to be our Hoodoo Factory version of a buy or sell game. And as we all know, a good Marty Party does not an absom make. But it's still anyone's game, so here we go. Round two. Uh, The game we play in round two is called Is It the Real Deal or the McNeil Perspective? For this game, contestants will get a statement to either buy as the real deal or sell as the McNeil Perspective. The second contestant will have to argue the side not chosen, and everyone will score points by making good points in their answers. All right? So uh, we have Tom up first for the Marty Party. Tom, is it the real deal or the McNeil perspective that Lisa is a bad girlfriend? 
I am going to say that this is the McNeil perspective because of where we're at. Uh, Lisa has told Dave about Dr. Frank um, before. Now, she hasn't, you know, she didn't know he was coming in, but she, she does tell him up front that, you know, that they were professor and then, oh, yeah, we had a relationship. I told you about him. Dave doesn't put it together. That doesn't make Lisa a bad girlfriend. Okay. All right. So Dave uh, being honest kind of absolves him of a lot there. It absolves Lisa, at least, of, of any type of deception in that area. Uh, Lauren, please tell me why it's the real deal that Lisa is a bad girlfriend. It is the real deal that Lisa is a bad girlfriend. First of all, it's well documented that she lies constantly. So when she tells him, I told you about him, I think that's a straight up lie. I don't think she ever told him about Dr. Frank. I think she's okay. just trying to make it sound like she did so that Dave is the one who looks like, oh, you just never listen or something. Um, she never has his back. She goes out of her way to make Dave jealous. Then she gaslights him into thinking he's being ridiculous or being jealous. She is 100% toxic, and I think she is a big part of why he descends into madness by the end of the series. <laughs> Lauren has got some super strong takes today. <laughs> um, <laughs> I didn't get a lot of sleep, guys. <laughs> she's going to win that one on volume, but once again, the judges are issuing a warning. Like, what are we going with this, all right? Let's keep it clean. This is a family podcast. <laughs> so, yeah, I am going to give that one to Lauren. Uh, I am not necessarily convinced that Lisa lied outright, but it does not seem like she was as upfront as possible. Um, okay, let's go on to our second statement. All right, starting with Lauren here. Lauren, is it the real deal or the McNeil perspective? That if Bill didn't smoke, his cubicle would actually improve the office atmosphere. Real deal or McNeil perspective? I'm going to go with the McNeil perspective. Okay. Um, Bill says the purpose of the cubicle is so he can relax. But come on. The real purpose of the cubicle is to torment his coworkers, in particular Matthew. And it's Ooh. working. So Matthew is upset about the cubicle even before he noticed that Bill was smoking. Eventually, right. everyone would have gotten the message that the cubicle was really about Bill thinking he's better than everyone, and it would have only added more tension to the atmosphere. Okay, okay. Uh, definitely seems like he's using it as a way to kind of uh, uh, pester his, his co-workers, <laughs> somehow stick it to them a little bit. So I see that right there. All right, Tom, please tell me why it's the real deal that if Bill didn't smoke, his cubicle would actually improve the office atmosphere. Okay, this is the real deal. Uh, we see what Bill is like in the in the moments leading up to the cubicle being erected, and and then what he's like immediately. He's much more relaxed. He's not as fiery or not as angry. So it's kind of mellowed him out a bit. Um, Joe's checked it out. He find it. He's found it cool. Uh, it doesn't seem to affect really anybody else other than Matthew. And Matthew is always going to have some kind of problem. So you might as well <laughs> just have the problem with Matthew because he's not going to create as as big. Um, an issue as Bill would if he was not at ease. So that's the real deal. Interesting. So less problems, less problems from Matthew than from Bill. Yes. Or smaller problems to deal with. Yeah. Interesting. I am going to tie this one up. I don't love it, but we're going <laughs> to tie that one up. I think I'm not quite convinced that other people really appreciate it. I know that Catherine, you know, it, She's the one I believe that asked uh, Dr. Frank to to take it down, and 
Um, I'm not sure that he does do it simply to annoy all of his all of his coworkers. I think there's a little bit of wiggle room. So that one's going to be a little tie. <laughs> With this gang, what a surprise. <laughs> Third statement. All right, Tom. Is the real deal or the McNeil perspective that Beth was eavesdropping on everyone's session? Real deal or McNeil perspective? I'm going to say this is the McNeil perspective. Okay. Um, because when Dave and Catherine um, approach her about, like, how long people have been in there, like, Beth isn't over-listening so much. I mean, she's got she's timing it, but she's mm-hmm. not listening. So if she was listening, she wouldn't really have to time it because she would know when it's about to wrap up. Um, okay. You know, maybe she's timing it just it. for the fun of it, but she's we don't ever see her physically doing that, and I think that she has enough respect for the the process. You know, she's... she's you know, bad bath, bad bath. And like she, she gives it some kind of weight, right? So yeah. she has enough respect for that, that process that she's not going to listen in as if it were just a regular Dave conversation. So. Okay. All right. So a little bit of integrity. We don't think of Beth as being a bad person. She, she will have that respect. All right. <laughs> Lauren, please destroy Tom. I mean, uh, please, <laughs> please tell us. Why it's the real deal that Beth was eavesdropping on everyone's session. This is the real deal. Um, it's well documented that she eavesdrops even when there's no reason to expect any sort of juicy personal information to be shared. Like, this is just part of her daily routine. She eavesdrops on whatever's going on in Dave's office. Um, now she knows for a fact everyone's going to be in there talking about stuff they want to keep private. So that's going to be even more intriguing to her. And she even says in front of Dr. Frank at the beginning that she wants to go last so she can hear what everyone said about her. And he says, you know, we can't, I can't do that. So how's she going to get that information? <laughs> Eavesdropping. <laughs> okay. Uh, boy, that is another tough one right there. Um, I I kind of feel like Beth's history was the biggest thing that was brought up. So Lauren is going to get that round. All right. Going to our fourth statement here. Um, Lauren, please tell us why it is the real deal or the McNeil perspective that in the opener, before the credits, Bill is the most deserving of an HR meeting. Is that the real deal or the McNeil perspective? That's the McNeil perspective. Okay. Catherine tells her boss to go to hell, and (laughs) Beth straight up throws a phone at him. So, (laughs) Bill was being petty and argumentative, but his actions are less deserving of an HR meeting than either Catherine or Beth. There was no physical violence involved, and um, there there was no swearing at the boss. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the whole Catherine thing is a little bit like, I was like, wow. (laughs) You're like, oh, we're... We're starting with that. Happy Monday. Um, yes. Okay. All right. Excellent points. Excellent points. Tom, please tell me why it is the real deal that in the opener, Bill is the most deserving of an HR meeting. Uh, well, it is Bill. Um, while saying go to hell to your boss is, is not great. Um, not great. The, the implications that, that he's making is um, pretty mm-hmm. lascivious about Dave and and Lisa and needing to get a room as if they were going to have sex. Now they might, they might have planned to have sex, but he doesn't know that. So <laughs> those are unfounded accusations. Um, and 
as far as Beth, I mean, Beth threw a phone in the vicinity of Dave. It wasn't, it didn't hit him. Um, Dave should have been ready to catch it. That's all. I mean, like, <laughs> here it comes, you know. <laughs> oh, Tom. <laughs> no. <laughs> You're doing so good. <laughs> Oh boy, I was really into a time. I'm gonna have to give that one another tie. Uh, I was I was not as convinced to the end, but I do think there's a thing like the physical violence thing is is really the worst aspect. I think that's there, but Bill gets really personal, you know. Like that's that I think is why he is probably a little bit more deserving. So uh, we're gonna tie that round up and bring us to our final category of the show, or uh, the final statement. Tom, please tell me why it's the real deal or the McNeil perspective that Dr. Frank is a bigger relationship threat to Dave than Lisa's ex-boyfriend, Stuart. Is it the real deal or the McNeil perspective? It is the McNeil perspective. Um, While there seems to be some still at least superficial, some, some attraction between Lisa and Dr. Frank, uh, she's not giving him money. Uh, she is not uh, talking to him on the phone constantly mm-hmm. and for long, for hours and um, having lots of jokes with him. Uh, I think it's definitely Stuart that's more of the threat to uh, to Dave. Okay, all good points, all levels of engagement that we don't see with Dr. Frank. Uh, Lauren, please tell me why it's the real deal that Dr. Frank is a bigger relationship threat to Dave than Lisa's ex-boyfriend, Stuart. This is the real deal because Lisa had a committed relationship with Stuart and decided to break it off ultimately because they weren't compatible. So she had time to um, engage in the relationship and decide it was not the right relationship for her. Dr. Frank was just a fling, which is much more dangerous. With the fling, she may still be wondering what might have been and a fling can always become another fling, right? So it's not mm-hmm. necessarily that she's going to like leave Dave for Dr. Frank, but it doesn't mean that she might not be unfaithful to Dave with Dr. Frank. Oof. You guys, <laughs> we, got some, we got some arguments here. I'm just looking for the hammer. Where's the ace card? Like, where's, where's the pounding on the desk as we deliver that final nail in the coffin? I will bury you! <laughs> that's, that's what we should have started off with. That's why the energy's low right now. Oof. All right, so this is a tough one. Uh, I am going to go with Lauren mostly because I like the idea of flings. So, uh, <laughs> I like that that is a strong possibility. Um, so, that concludes our Marty party. Those were some excellent arguments from both contestants. Before I announce the winner, we're going to have a little general discussion about the cast in this episode. So, uh, Lauren, what would you like to say about the cast in this episode? What were some things that you noticed just kind of overall? Um, so there were a couple things about Beth's performance that I thought seemed just slightly out of character for her. Not like okay. huge, but they just did like lines that didn't sound like Beth lines or... Um, I didn't like her first interaction with Dr. Frank, you know, um, mm-hmm. like, oh, you don't want us to get into that right now, right? Oh, it's just the short version. Oh, in that case, fine. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It just didn't feel like a Beth line. It, something about it felt 
not authentic to me. Yeah. Um, and then but that, she like, should she should have found a different way to kind of say that fine yeah. was just like too dismissive because obviously things are not fine. Right. Right. Yeah, I agree. And then the whole bad Beth bad thing, like when he tells her, like I can't, I, yeah. I can't share that with you. I was like, that just doesn't cool. sound like Beth to yeah. me. Like I don't, I didn't buy that from her. Um, so it, there was a lot left in there that did feel true to character. So that was great to see. But it, there mm-hmm. were just these little bits and pieces that every time I see it, it, it just like rubs me wrong because I'm like, oh, that doesn't feel right. That doesn't yeah. feel like Beth. Yeah, when she slaps her hands, I'm definitely like, oh, mm-hmm. it just just doesn't yeah. quite hit the right way. Yeah. All right. Good. All right. Yeah. So. So. Absolutely. I'd say uh, Beth, a little bit out of character. It doesn't. Just doesn't. You know. She, she's just not as. Uh, it's a different kind of energy. I guess is what I'm trying to say. You know. Like it's not yeah. the usual Beth energy that we kind of expect. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it took me five minutes of stuttering to get to. <laughs> um. All right, Tom. What was uh, something that you'd like to see about the cast? Something you noticed about the cast? That you want to point out? Uh, it's just real short. Uh, Jimmy's again. Jimmy's gestures are great uh, yeah. when he does the spiritual or fear of the unknown is spiritual paralysis, and he just does that thing with his fingers. <laughs> yeah, with, like it's you know highlighting it. it I I always love that. I thought that was great. Um, he does the thing with there's a lot of tension. There's a lot of tension, <laughs> and just that holds yeah. his hand in like this claw format. I don't know. It's really good. Um, Bill when he does the line read about this conflict being. Um, very stressful for me. I need to leave now. It's very reminiscent of um, Unfrozen Caveman Lawyer. <laughs> <It's>, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, your yeah. strange world frightens and confuses <laughs> me. This has been very stressful. Yeah, so yeah, very good, similar yeah, to that. Comparison. That's good. And um, yeah, everybody had uh, some really good scowls, and I pointed that out in the scene, but like yeah, Catherine yeah. had really great scowl joe does it like a, a real flash of anger towards Dave. joe's look is like great Whoa. oh it's okay. really good Pure rage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's like now it's like i can easily see why anyone would think he's a psycho like, yeah it's a not great look well, maybe he is the unabomber <laughs> yeah like, that's that's essentially this the, literally the moment where i was like oh okay like <laughs> like this really could go with those things like we're not completely joking but it, I, it's you know it's it's one of those I think moments where Joe Rogan is actually acting like, you know, normally he's just barely keeping it together through throughout the show. But like in this, like he, he gives one point and I don't think he goes too early. It's really good uh, take. Yeah, no, that look in particular is something I I picked out to to highlight as well in the general discussion because I was like, (laughs) there's something right there that is very real in a in a series where Joe is not really known for bringing right. any real gravitas to the right, right. So, um, so yeah, that's that one really. Hit. And you're right, Catherine does a great job again, just kind of you know showing her displeasure. Mm-hmm. I do wonder if her back is turned to Dave or to Bill a little bit. Yeah, was standing right. Like you know, I did notice right away she's facing away at the table. So that's good right there. Um, I want to I want to highlight I'll highlight two people uh, but Lisa I thought it was a good Lisa episode you know for for someone that is not necessarily being upfront about things I kind of feel like she's holding back but I don't dislike her in the episode like she's she's got a fun she's almost got like that Beth fun energy in this episode right you yeah. know not like it's Beth but it's upbeat like Beth usually is um, so I thought it was a really good Lisa episode I, I I just kind of felt like she had a presence and, and she really kind of did it well Tom 
It, yeah, it's kind of like the energy that she had when uh, Dave and her first got together. Like oh, that, yeah, yeah. that that sense of yep. just fun Lisa, which kind yeah, of it go, goes in and out do, during the se- the series, but like it, it's back and it's like I wonder if it's just because there's a different sexual tension that's going on and that's what bring you know that's what comes up. <laughs> like maybe Dave had more to worry about than you thought. <laughs> <laughs> I already lost that one, so I I pretend. <laughs> All right, Lauren, was there something else, another uh, aspect of the cast you wanted to highlight? Yeah, I mean, Catherine. Um, Mm. She didn't have a ton of lines, but she really did make the most of them, I thought. Yeah. Um, I know I've kind of, like, gone hard on her for telling her boss to go to hell, but it was a great line (laughs) read. Go to hell. Like, you don't hear that coming, you know? Like, that's not the follow-up you expect. Um, It was really good. Storms off. And then that quick code switching that she's so good at of her telling Dave, like, that's so sweet, like, for offering to listen to her problems. And then all business telling Beth, let me know when the doctor's done, okay? (laughs) (laughs) You know? Like, I just... I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that when she does it. It's so good. <laughs> yes, definitely one of the good get, gags or bits that we see in this episode again. So yeah, um, yeah. But again, you know, it's it, we're just going to keep repeating it. She's underused, and she's yep. she's making way more out of her limited opportunities than I ever realized watching the show. So oh yeah, um, you know, definitely something to point out. Yeah, uh, and- Tom. Did, in terms of like basketball or hockey, the plus minus on on, on Catherine is oh, very yeah. high. And same with Jimmy in this episode. He doesn't have a lot, but he God, he really kills yeah. it when he's on there. So yeah, he's only in like two scenes, I think. Right? Yeah, two, he's, yeah, he's it. that's it. Just the two. So. With Dave talking about getting Frank in and then in with Frank and out. I mean, he's on two minutes. Yeah. It's like it's like Darth Vader <laughs> level excellence. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you understood Star Wars the same way that I did. But, uh, but yeah, very powerful wizard. Got it. Uh, space wizards with laser swords. <laughs> All right. Tom, did you have another uh, member of the cast or aspect of the of the cast that you want to point out? Um, no, I, I thought Dave did a great job just transitioning from being upset then to having to kind of go into that conciliatory uh, uh, He's going to become the therapist for Dr. Frank, you know, doing that switch after he gets, yeah. lets some stuff out, you know, that good job by Dave Foley. Yeah, I actually, I thought it was a really strong Dave episode. I did want to notice that, like, his, his dramatic acting is actually, like, really, really strong. Like, in a weird mm-hmm. way, it reminded me of Jimmy kind of in the beginning of the episode mm-hmm. where you don't know if he's joking or not. Like, is he really right. the boss? Is he really mad or is he not mad? And there was definitely a couple points in the episode with Dave where I was like, that reaction seemed very genuine. Or I'm like, you know, what's seemed it seemed like he was playing it straight in a way that we don't really see him play it in, in the rest of the series. So I thought he did a really great job in this episode, particularly. Um, Lauren, do you have another general discussion aspect to bring up? Um, I mean, just John Ritter. John that was Ritter. my next one too. Yeah, yep. he he was so perfect for the role. Um, he was a heavy hitter of a guest star, you know, so I'm sure that was a big game for them. And um, he he really pulled the episode together. Like, you can really um, – I like how you can't get a read on him if he actually cares about these people or if he's just showing up for a payday. Yeah. <laughs> like, he, all the way through the end, I can't really tell. Um, is he just – he's saying all this cheesy stuff. Is it just because that's what he's been trained to say? 
or does he actually care and he thinks like this is how I'm going to get through to these people you can't tell and I think he played it really perfectly <laughs> yeah I think I'll, I'll save my John Ritter conspiracy theories for, for part B <laughs> okay. um, but I will say again like I didn't. I didn't never really care for John Ritter in his kind. You know, it's like I. It's good. It's kind of like Martin Short reminds me of John Ritter a little bit. Like, there's something that's a little bit extra over the top in a little bit of his comedy that just kind of like strikes me the wrong way sometimes. Okay. So what I thought was really great is that he doesn't do that in this episode. He comes in and he does have a lot of physicality. Like, there's a couple times like when Dave tells him, um, you know, I lied. And he turns his head like, <laughs> right. But like, there were definitely a couple moments. He reacts really strongly to something. I can't remember what off the top of my head. Um, but I thought that he had that physical presence. But like you said, you know, like it was a, it was a warm presence. It was a good presence that kind of fit in and made everything work. That I can definitely see not going as well with a different actor. You know, like mm -hmm. if you get the wrong guest star, I, I don't think this episode really works. Yeah. Um, so I thought him not going too far, you know, him not going over the top in, in, in situations made him really, really good in this episode. Uh, mm -hmm. and definitely worth kind of calling out. Uh, Tom, Ritter thoughts? Uh, yeah, I thought he was good in the episode. I, well, I'm not, I was never a John Ritter super fan. I didn't really, mm. like, I'd seen some Three's Company, but wasn't really, like, yeah. familiar with it too much. But, um, yeah, I thought he did a great job in this, in this role. Awesome. All right, uh, I think that's pretty much everything I have on my list. Either of you want to hit any more points? No. No. All right, so we're going to move on to our last category of Part A, which is our added scene, something on the fly, something that you would have liked to see added to this episode or a scene that you would have liked to see shot and possibly just put up on YouTube. Uh, <laughs> let's start. I think, Tom, what is uh, an added scene? What is something on the fly from you? Um, so when... When Dr. Frank is, is saying, like, how he was going through sex addiction and it was, you know, men, women, students, faculty, didn't matter. Yeah. I'd like to see, like, kind of a flashback. But the, the <laughs> twist is that, like, every one of them, it's kind of like the, we mustn't, it's taboo. Like, they do that side-to-side -side head thing that Bill does in uh, okay. <laughs> in uh, Dreaming. Um <laughs> I just like to see that with each each individual fling that he has. Like maybe it's ten different people. Like just real quick, like cycle through that. You okay. have a tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, it definitely would have been would have been interesting to see the selection that uh, that right. would have gone to. Like you know, it's one of those things that probably would ended with him uh, with himself like an address. You know, like those things are. <laughs> I, like, I could definitely see them kind of ending that little montage with one of those and he wakes up or, or you know, snaps out of it. Um, <laughs> good, good. All right, Lauren, what is something on the fly from you? Um, I want to see a scene of Matthew trying to put up his own cubicle in retaliation. Okay. Oh, but, like, Joe <laughs> refuses to help him put the thing oh, together. Good. And I think it would just be a comedy of errors with, like, the walls continuously falling down as he's trying to build the thing. Ugh. And um, he's, like, injuring himself with the tools, using the wrong tools, just everything going wrong. And then he finally gets it put up in some form. And he's just sitting in there spitefully working or, you know, <laughs> playing computer solitaire or whatever. And um, people keep throwing, like, crumpled up paper balls or, like, paper clips or, and stuff like that over the wall at him. <laughs> and he stands up to see who it is. And they're always gone. <laughs> you, know, you can't figure out who's doing it there. Um, so it, it backfires on him hilariously. Bill probably puts up a sign that says, like, throw garbage in here. You know, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's 
It's on the other side of the cubicle. Um, that is hilarious. The thought of Matthew trying to put up his own cubicle uh, is just like, That's really Joe's going to have to use it. the fire extinguisher. Like, it's another <laughs> fire extinguisher <laughs> gag as far as that goes. Just be like, how did you get a cubicle to catch oh, on so fire? Funny. I don't so know, funny. man. Just it's like spray the hanging thing. from the ceiling like it was a diamond. Like, <laughs> That'd be good. Okay. Um, I've actually, I've got three. And the first one is not even anything except the front half of Jimmy's phone call. <laughs> like, <laughs> this dial's like, we walk in near the end, but how did the beginning go that got him all worked up? And you know it was him. You know he was like, stop screwing around, put him on the phone, and then it just goes back and forth. Um, I, I thought that maybe we all might have that on our lists, but you know, just, just whatever the front half of Jimmy's phone call was. <laughs> what was that? Wrong number. <laughs> My misstyled. Well, that'll teach him to pick up his phone. <laughs> Um, all right, I'm going to give my second one because it kind of goes, it's close to Lauren's a little bit. Uh, I have, I would like to see Bill negotiating with Joe to put up the cubicle. Uh, and Joe keeps on trying to push Gorelli brand items on him. <laughs> like, are you sure, man? We can put the air conditioner right here. It's a Gorelli mm. 5000. And Bill's like, no. You know, and then he's got it like a different type of thing. Well, well, what if we did this right here? He's like, Joe, I just want a cubicle. Uh, and then, you know, so he says no a couple times. Then he's like, wait, what is that? All right, tell me more. You know, it is. It's a humidor. Yeah. But it would be kind of funny because obviously, you know, like Bill should be able to put up a cubicle. <laughs> yeah. But imagine he needed Joe's help and Joe was trying to upsell him. Like, I just thought that would be kind of funny. And, you know. Joe taking advantage of Bill's lack of, uh, of like, hands-on ability. Uh. I could see it. I could see him eventually buying into all the Gorelli devices, too. Yeah. Like, uh, okay, I can see how that makes it better. He just keeps handing him cash out of that wad in his pocket. <laughs> just like Joe saying ridiculous stuff. You, like, you gotta have the umbrella. Otherwise, it's not even really a cubicle. <laughs> <laughs> just upselling him. Um, all right, Tom, did you have another scene uh, that, that you want to add on? No? No, nothing right now. All right, Lauren, did you have another one? Um, yeah. So I want a montage of little clips from everyone's therapy session. Because um, okay. we see that, you know, Jimmy was in a deep meditative state that turned into a nap. And we catch like a half a sentence at the end of Lisa's session. But other than that, we don't really get to find out what was bothering everyone so much. Yeah. Um, so I'd imagine Matthew would be discussing his vegetable addiction. Okay. And um, Dr. Frank would be trying to assess whether or not Choo Choo and Mitt Mitt actually exist or if they're figments of Matthew's imagination. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> Um, I think Very Catherine fair. would be expressing frustration about being underappreciated in the workplace. Um, maybe a little too real. Uh, <laughs> Beth would be discussing her complicated relationship with her mother, probably. Maybe some stepdad stuff in there. We, we get a little flavor of stepdad nonsense in there every now and then. Um, Joe would try to just like hint at his emotional problems through sports metaphors. <laughs> yeah. Like he, he can't actually bring himself <laughs> to talk about it, but he's trying. <laughs> Um, and, and Bill would spend the whole time insisting he's fine and that the cubicle was really, has really solved all his problems all the while, just like dropping horrific anecdotes from his childhood that he thinks are endearing. Uh, yeah. That's always good. Um, I, I just think of when Joe was at Led Zeppelin too, when Joe was trying to take uh, responsibility for, for, um, whatever goes wrong, starting the fire. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, right. yeah. And he's I'm like, you know, you know I, my father, like, he's just saying nonsense. Like, <laughs> that's kind of what I picture his session would be like. Him just yeah. basically mm-hmm. spouting nonsense. He's like, he's um, really trying to open up, but he can't make any meaningful words come out. <laughs> yeah. I could be like, like, that might have to be an extra long episode, but that would be kind of interesting to see <laughs> see how John Ritter reacts to all of those different different type of stimuli. Um, yeah. <laughs> the couch. <laughs> like, then you feel like Dave should like burn the couch at the end. <laughs> it's it's got too much Never use my office again, yeah. Um, all right, so my last, uh, my last add-on here, my last something on the fly, uh, is Joe... Adult as an adult, dressed like a, a nerd in typing class, reading out sentences and getting his knuckles slapped by a ruler from a nun standing right next to him. Uh, like, why is he so good at typing? Like, we're getting to my questions here, but like, when he helps, when he helps Matthew, he's taking dictation in real time. That is not something you just do. Yeah. You know, like you have to learn how to type. So I'm like, Joe took typing in high school. <laughs> right like uh, so just imagine him like with a nun sitting over there with a ruler and every time he makes a mistake slaps him on the knuckles and he doesn't like it i'm also again he's he's dressed like steve buscemi and they're like what's up fellow kids <laughs> you're like obviously way too old but you know you know how these shows do yeah um so yeah i i have some questions about why he's able to to <laughs> type so well and that was my answer <laughs> all right um based on the scores from our absa fever round combined with the scores of our marty party round i'm going to declare lauren today's absa award winner lauren what would you like to tell your adoring fans well first i want to say thank you thad for deeming me the winner your analysis is both accurate and poetic this feels great it's like an enema for the brain I just want to say that I will proudly display this ABSA in my cubicle. I'd love to have my fans over to admire it, but unfortunately I have a strict no visitors policy. So to all my fans out there, I just want to say, take care of yourself. We need you. And Tom, <laughs> if you're feeling bitter about this loss, well, that sounds like a whining disease to me. Try eating some red meat and maybe your sinuses will drain. Okay. <laughs> See, that's even funnier because you actually picked that quote in the thing, in, the, in the real life. Like, that's that was funny. Art imitates <laughs> life. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, after we attend our anti-bullying seminar, we will be back with part B, and we hope that you'll join us for a little more discussion. Until then, thank you for visiting the Hoodoo Factory, the source for all your hoodoo needs. Good night, pumpkin. Walk away, Dave. This is not your fight. <laughs> Pantyhose. Thank you for visiting the Hoodoo Factory, the source for all your hoodoo needs. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at hoodoo underscore factory. The Hoodoo Factory is part of the Stolen Dress Podcast Network. Please stop by our gift shop at grabitgear.com. And remember... The Hoodoo Factory is the supplier of the only known antidote for ABSA fever.